Amen. So if you if you act like a person who has everything, owns everything, is going to live forever, you're living up to it. So that that is you. That's who you are. So praise God. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Thank you, Lord, that grace is the unmerited favor of the divine influence on your heart. It's the power to do right, to think right, to understand right. It's everything that's right before you. So we thank you, Lord, to come before your your throne for right things, right living, right thinking, right understanding. Thank you, Lord, for giving us what we need for this week, this day, and this very hour. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So today we're going to, I thought we'd talk a little bit about understanding the anointing because it's a, a subject that, you know, uh, sometimes we throw words around in Christianese and uh, it, it, we get a little confused about what we're talking about most times uh, when we talk about the things of the Spirit or especially the presence, the power, uh, the empowerment of God, the grace of God. So we're going to do a little bit of understanding, and today we're going to talk about the fact that for thine is the power. Thine is the power. Amen? For thine is the power. Uh, One thing I like to stress about the anointing and the power of God, it does not belong to us. It belongs to God. And it's always under God's control. Even though the presence of God and the power of God, the Holy Spirit, is very adaptable and compatible with us, he still is his own agent. Uh, We still do what we do with God's permission, which we call grace. Grace is always the divine influence on your heart to do the will of God, to do good. To not Grace is not something, uh, uh, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Grace isn't somebody turns their back when you do bad. Uh, that's not it, it at all. It is an empowerment to do good. Uh, it is an empowerment to do the will of God, to submit to the will of God. Uh, there's uh, the uh, Old Testament, uh, not Old Testament, but the early church saints received what they called grace for martyrdom. If you have to be put to death for Christ, there is a grace to endure that. Uh, and it's been well documented throughout the ages uh, that people uh, who were martyred for Christ uh, were translated into a place where they were able to endure it. They didn't go kicking and screaming. They just... Uh, still themselves to the grace of God, and, and they chose chose to go on to be with the Lord. That's about all you can say about that. And so, uh, but there is grace to endure hardship and affliction, you know, where God is with you and you know it. And it's almost like, you know, nothing's going on in your life if you'll stay focused and stay centered in the grace of God. So his power and influence can do wonderful things for us. There is grace to be saved, to step from darkness into light uh, as your permanent residence, not just visiting the light, but living in the light. Amen. And so uh, there there's things that we need to understand about the power of God. But but his is the power. Amen. So this power is of God. It belongs to God and it is God. It is of God, belongs to God and it is God. It can never be owned or controlled by man. Man can never be owned or controlled by man. 
It is his glory and for his glory. So we are here really to what we call glorify God. That means we're here to make sure people understand who God truly is and that they get a true uh, concept of who God is and that they speak well of who God is. So we're here to exemplify truly what God is. Every Many people think they understand God and they know something about God. Do you ever notice how people who don't even aren't even saved can tell you what God thinks and what God will do and all this kind of stuff? And there is this something about humanity that feels that they are God and that they can freely speak for him and that they know what God thinks. They know his mind. They know uh, much more than they actually do know. They just assume that they know. And it's the same thing with the power of God. Many people assume that they understand the power of God and assume that they uh, are familiar with it. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So we are all still learning of God. Uh, And we have to stay open to learn. We have to stay open to be used by God. You know, I was just thinking about that little incident with the, the neighbor next door with a T-shirt. And I'm thinking to myself, I said, God, do you mean to tell me I went all the way and got all them shirts? <laughs> you know, after you snap in your carnal mind, you step back and you realize how far God will go to bless someone. See, that blesses me because I know when I need a blessing, there's nothing too hard for him to compel somebody to do to get my blessing in my hand. You got me? Uh, He's always looking out for us. He knows when we need encouragement. He knows what we need at all times. So God has empowered humanity again to live for him. The power you have as a believer is to live for God, not for you, for God. Amen. So this isn't for people who are still trying to get everybody to recognize them, get everybody to, you know, understand who they are and, you know, promote me and promote my gift. It's not about that. This is for God. You know, find out what God wants in this situation. So John chapter 1, if you'll turn there in verse 12, it talks about uh, Jesus. Uh, John describes in the beginning there was a word. This is verse 1. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So he lets people know that Jesus was not a mere man. He was God. He was the word made flesh and the word and the the flesh dwelt, the word dwelt among men. He says he came to his own in verse 11, but his own received him not. So his own rejected him, but to whoever did receive him, to them he gave power to become sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So there's all kinds of births to have. People can be born of the will of the flesh or of the will of men, or they can be born of God. You have to be born of the flesh to be born again. And so he says, he gave men power to become sons of God. So the first empowerment a believer receives is that to become a son of God. 
You have the seed of sonship in you. But what does a good son do? He imitates his father. Hello. You know, parents parents are funny. They get emotional sometimes about their children. When they act in ugly, they say, mm, you just like your daddy. And then when they act sweet, he just like me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everybody get delights in their own offspring acting like them, amen, or looking like them or something like that. But there's a familiarity and identity that all humanity can relate to as being something they enjoy. So God enjoys when we imitate him. God is love. He likes us when we love. He gets joy out of Now, he's your father, whether you act right or not. Amen? But you'll get more mileage out of this deal if you'll imitate him. Let's put it that way. This is a much more enjoyable ride if you get in there and you act like the Father God. This power is given to all who receive him as Savior. So we have power to become sons of God and to be imitators of God. We said God is love. Now we can walk in love until somebody offends us or ticks us off. But then God gives us power to forgive and we can imitate him again. Amen. And so that's that's what it happens. God forgives us. He expects us to forgive. He expects us to do everything that he does. He gave us the Ten Commandments to show us what his character was like. When he says, don't worship any other God but me. Don't put anything before me. I don't care who it is, what it looks like, how much they pay you, how fine they are, what perks you get with the job. Don't put anything or anybody before God. Why? Because God is it. He's the top. If you put something before God, that becomes your God and you'll be shortchanged. So everything he commands us to do, he does it himself and he does it to bless us, not to shortchange us. When he says don't kill, it's because he doesn't. Well, don't murder. Amen. So he, you know, God, he says, I'm the God who kills and I'm the God who makes alive. If he kills, he can raise you back up again. You understand me? And so when you talk about God, but we're talking about murder or killing out of anger unjustly and and killing an innocent being, that's what God's talking about. Thou shalt not murder. That should not be a man killer. And so God does that. He commands that because he's the God who supports life. He promotes life. He would rather have us living than dead. That's why he gave us his son so we can live eternally with him. And so God wants us to live and live in this life. When he says don't steal, it's because he don't steal. Amen? When you give, that ain't you're not giving to God. That's a symbol of your devotion to God. Amen? And so God wants us to understand his character very, very well. And so he gives us power to not steal, not lie, not cheat. Not not be adulterous, not be faithless, but to be faithful people, to be consistent, to be uh, people who can, can make changes permanently. You know, many times we want a blessing and we're straightened up. It's amazing how we straighten up when we need something from God. 
Well, three people, the three people are telling the truth, and the rest of you, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Um, God has, he, you have the power to do the right thing. Let me put it to you that way. But you have to, doing the right thing must be done in obedience of openness and honesty before God. You can't do the right thing pretending like you didn't do nothing wrong. It's got to be open and honest and it's got to be God. You know what? I'm looking at this and this don't line up with the way you say your, uh, your word is supposed to. You know, I don't care who provoked me. I don't care who did me wrong. I don't care. But what I'm doing now does not line up with godliness. So he gives you power to walk like him, talk like him, behave like him in all situations. Many times people say, well, I struggle with, there's no, 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 don't struggle. There's no no reason to. You have the power to be a son of God. You do. You just have to prove. See, many times people never have enough faith to prove it to themselves that God is with you and you can really do this. They just assume they can't stop. Huh? You know, I've seen the devil, seen people. The devil's bold enough. He'll send the hoe you used to go with when you was in the world. He'll send that hoe to church right behind you. Oopsie, did I say hoe in church? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Why well, doesn't they come up to the prayer, always at the altar getting prayer? No, you just need to tell her to go home. But but she's so nice to me, and that's why. See? And see, your whole life will get derailed because you don't know how to act like you don't realize you have power to be a son of God. Would the son of God come to church and sleep with somebody they come to church with? See, that's where Christians, you know, feeling sorry for yourself. Well, you know, it's just so hard. No, it ain't all you got to say. No, ho, go. Three words. That wasn't hard. Got me? Make me sick throwing their life away for nonsense. Huh? Stupid. You know, you want to just grab somebody and beat them (laughs) with your microphone. Wake up. (laughs) Snap out of it. You think you are. But these people have the power to be sons of God. Huh? They just they've never let their flesh hurt before. Huh? See? You you gotta get used to hurting flesh. But like they tell you in the doctor's office, only gonna hurt for a minute. And then you're gonna realize you have freedom on the other side of the hurt. People who are saved and continue to struggle or can't get over this or can't get over that don't recognize the fact that they have the power to do it. That power is in there. It's just buried in all your your whining and your excuses and your, you know, God understands. No, he don't understand. Listen, the last person that said that fell like lightning out of heaven. Because that old father lies, Lucifer, that's one of his lies he tells to everybody. God don't understand sin. He already got a remedy for that, and that's kill it. Huh? The cross is the remedy for sin. 
If you claim to be born again, you need to learn how to live as a son of God. But you have the power residing in you. Amen. You're just too lazy to use it or you think you can get away without doing right and still be blessed? No. People are funny this because, the, you know, the, the, they still got a job. They woke up. They didn't wake up blind. They didn't wake up crippled. They think that, you know, oh, God, it's okay with God. You know, he's soft on sin. He ain't soft on nothing. Huh? You wait until the devil really gets you ensnared and you'll understand. Oh, I should have used the power. I should have relied on the power but not on my excuses. Amen. So we have the power to be just like Jesus. Amen. Jesus wasn't hitting on women and he wasn't hitting, letting them hit on him. Amen. The woman at the well, you know, she called herself going to try to get next to him. And man, he prophesied to her up one side and down. She said, whoa, wait, whoo. She was shocked over in her right mind. Huh? You know, that's the well was where all the good girls went to meet man, men. Huh? Who met their husbands at the well? Rebecca was there, Sarah, all the good girls. They was doing household chores, went to the well to draw water. You know, and if some single guy was there, you know what I'm saying? Mm, the good girls did that. They, you know, made sure they got properly introduced to their father who was at home. They didn't run off with them. And then this whole, she didn't have five husbands. She hanging out at the well. What you doing here? What Jesus said, you ain't got no business here. You didn't have five husbands. The one you with you, she said, ooh, I met a prophet who told me everything I knew. Now she going bragging on him. But he's here. <coughs> Stopped her dead in her tracks. Amen. That's what a that's what a son of God does. Meet a hoe hidden on you, you prophesy to her. To the glory of God. I'm scared of people. I just don't know. Amen. I'm trying to get you to understand there's power there. Don't let the power go wasted. Don't let it go unused. I don't care what it is that gets you in trouble with God and people. you got power to overcome it. Amen. You have the power to relate as a son of God in this earth. Amen. So this scripture is just as important to have faith in as John 3.16. You know, if you know that, that you're born again, then you, that gives you power to do the right thing. Power to be a son of God. Power to may say no to sin and renew your mind in the word so you're not thinking about yourself all the time and how pitiful you are and how you need this and how you need that. It'll land you in the pokey every single time. I was speaking to somebody and I was ministering to them and they were, were had, had uh, been imprisoned once and they were in trouble again. And I said, you know what, brother? I said, the Lord showed me something. He said, God told me to tell you that the losses that you have incurred in life, God is the one who will restore to you. You you run around here trying to restore on your own. 
that's how you get in trouble. You see what I'm saying? And so he, he understood. He said, well, you know, that is right. He said, because most of my time I spend trying to make up for time that I was in prison before. And guess what? He went right back up in there again. You got me? He had power all along to be a son of God, to conduct himself like a son of God. You can't get ahead of God. You can't get greedy for the thing. God knows where you are. He knows what you need. He's your provider. You trust him, and he will bring to you the things that you need. You're even empowered to trust God in things, you know, and be patient with the Lord. All of those things, you have the power to be a son of God, to endure temptation, to endure hardness, to endure time that has to go by, to endure doing without things until you get your act together faith-wise. You got me? Everybody wants God to give them something whether they have faith or not. You know, that's wrong. That makes you a thief. So God God can help you to get your faith together so that you can believe him for things. Amen. One thing I can say about a thief, they're always looking out for other thieves because of the way they get stuff. You got me? They're never, never, never secure in that it belongs to them. Got me? Always looking for somebody to come and take it. So he, God doesn't want us to live like that. He wants to, us to live like sons of God. So this also is the power to be transformed, as it says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. So if you are looking to be a son of God, this is how it is done. Romans chapter 12. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brother, verse 1, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice. You have the power to do that. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You're not doing anything extraordinary. Amen. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how you walk out your ministry. That's how your gift gets promoted. That's how people see your gift and recognize your gift, by you being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Once you undergo this transformation process, the spirit of Christ begins to live through you. He begins to show people who you really are. The real you starts to come to the party all of a sudden. So as you are transformed, but you've got to dedicate yourself to renewing your mind in the word. And that means you have to fight these carnal thoughts that come to you. You've got to fight the desire to quit and give up. You've got to fight the desire to get mad at somebody. You've got to fight the desire to tell somebody off. Huh? All my years of, of <laughs> threatening my husband with bodily harm happened before I started in ministry. Praise God. You didn't have to sit under that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I dropped the mic and go home. I think, I think of something he did last week and dropped the mic. <laughs> Where my girls at? Come on. Let's go. Where my girls at? <laughs> and I probably could have found plenty to ride with me. Uh, but see, God helped me to renew. <laughs> basically make most of it out you know enough out to preach you know what i'm saying we still working on the rest but uh you know what i'm saying you got to get to a level of maturity 
and renewal of your mind. You can't let your mind go crazy every time somebody says something, you know, that's unflattering un, uh, to you or critical to you or, you know, I've been called every name you could be called by a bunch of sheep. You understand what I'm saying? In front of my back and behind my back. But I have to endure that. See, I have the power to endure as a son or a daughter of God because I lean into that power. Amen. And not into my flesh. Well, the, you know, I ain't going to pray for them. Who do you think they are? <laughs> I was thinking about blessing, but hmm. you, you understand what I'm saying? You can't be a retaliatory person and be a son or a daughter of God. I'm just telling you. And your mind has to be renewed so that the word of God pops up in there and you process things correctly instead of letting it go down the road of, I'm going to tell them off. I'm going to get them straight. Who they think they are talking to me like that? You got me? Your mind might go there, but then you have to forgive. You can't just push that out of your mind and then put on a smile and go try to treat people nice. We did enough of that in the world. So we're going to be Christians for the son of a son or a daughter. God does not live like that. You live in truth before God. You know, God, I want to go up here and kill me somebody. You know, much as I do for these people, blah, you know, the, you know, the drill, the whole thing. And so, you know, but you have to forgive you. That's a command of God. Amen. So that's what sons you are empowered to do. You are not lacking in power to do anything right that God wants you to do right now. Now, my right doing might be different from your right doing, but we all got right we can do. And we're all empowered to do it. Amen. Many times we'll over call ourselves overlooking people or being the bigger person. And you walk around with all this hatred and animosity on the inside of you. You might as well go punch somebody. <laughs> Except for the obvious assault with a deadly weapon kind of thing. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, you know, that's more honest than trying to pretend all the time. You don't, you know, you have the power to not pretend anymore. Amen. God gives you power to not pretend anymore. You don't have to fake it with people. Amen. Mostly we try to be nice when we want something. We don't want nothing we could care about people. Uh, we gonna stop that that ain't right y'all y'all know that ain't right so we gonna stop that amen and catch your blessing it's coming at you right now amen don't quit on the transformation process it's worth it to stick with it amen don't quit on the transformation process Many times you'll have some of what we call disappointments in life. You know what God told me to 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 take out of my vocabulary? Some a lot of words, <laughs> mostly four letters. But uh, <laughs> ah, messing with y'all. But any word starting with the three letters D I S. He said, take those words out of your vocabulary. You're never disappointed. You're never disillusioned. You're never disgusted, discouraged. Take that, take them three letters out, and me and you would get along real good. Huh? So I found myself encouraging myself. I found myself being uh, given to optimism and encouragement and expectation when I stopped using certain words. Got me? You got to do that. And uh, you have the power to do it. 
Well, you know, everybody gets, you step on that devil before he even opens his mouth. Because he, that's the devil that gives you an excuse for not becoming a son and a daughter of God. Sons and daughters also have an inheritance. Flesh and blood will never inherit the goodies that God has for you. You don't inherit that by flesh and blood. It's amazing that we can let our spirit man connect with God long enough to inherit something or get in our possession, and then the flesh man want to go spend it. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Flesh man want to have a party on your spiritual, you know, or your spiritual uh, gifts <clears throat> and receiving. But see, it's good to stay in the spirit even after you've received from God because it's staying in the spirit that gives you the abundance that God has for you. You got me? If you stay in the spirit, you'll get the abundance that God has for you. You don't want to always be looking for a very brief uh, miniature blessing. You want to be blessed coming in and going out. And you can only get that if you stay in the spirit. Jesus stayed in the spirit. If he, if, if he had money, didn't have money, made no difference to him. He lived off of what uh, to do the will of his father. That's why he was here. He could care less about material things. And there were many people that, that gave him. There were wealthy people that followed Jesus' ministry. And as fast as they were given it, Judas was stealing part of it. So if you can love a thief and let them handle your money, you must not care about what, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, it's prosperity preachers try to justify their greed by saying Jesus was wealthy. Don't act like y'all ain't heard that before. Huh? How's he going to be rich with Judas taking care of the money? Well, some people still don't believe it. The Bible says he he became poor so that we through his, it's an exchange. He, through his poverty, we become rich. Amen? And I don't mean rich like heathens are rich. The greatest wealth is, is to lay up treasures in heaven. Are you kidding me? Nobody can take that out of there. You know, even if you have a, a good good investment broker, the stock market goes up and down. Amen? You have no control over it. Maybe you can find somebody who can dodge the big bullets for you, but it's going to go up and down. You're going to see your money go to the negative from last month, but it'll come back up again. You wind up on the average with a little bit of income coming out of there. And so that is not what you base your, your, your uh, understanding of wealth on. It's on what God has laid up for you. You have treasure on the inside of you. You're an earthen vessel with treasure. You are your own riches. You understand me? The blessing is on you. You're not waiting for a blessing. It's on you already. The Bible says you're blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed in the field, blessed everywhere. Your dog is blessed. Your goldfish is blessed. Amen. Everything, the blessing's on you. You don't go somewhere to get blessed. 
I don't care what's going on in your situation. Huh? The Bible says that, that Isaac sowed in famine. That takes a lot of faith, folks. You know, everybody running to Egypt, and God tells him, stop, don't go down there. Amen? That's what your daddy did. You know God will stop your children from making the mistakes that you made and put them on a better road? Abraham went down to Egypt and almost lost his wife. You got me? (laughs) Now, some of you men, come on, straighten up, y'all. Some of you say, well, almost lost his wife, life, you son of a gun, huh? But I'm telling you, as far as the plan of God is concerned, that was a big no-no. I know some of you brothers wish you could get her lost. <laughs> yeah, take the keys to the car. <laughs> the brakes ain't working, but I don't know. Stop it. Stop it. Cut it out. But I'm telling you. God will cause your children. That's how the glory of the former, you know, the latter is greater than that of the former. Every generation should increase in their knowledge of God, their desire to obey God, and their prospering in God. Your children should do better in God than you do. Amen? And you should expect that, and you should encourage it. So you can, the blessing is on you. Why do you have Isaac do that? Because he wanted him to almost starve. Or make him nervous? No, I'm sure after Isaac planted that seed, he had total peace. Amen? Because when you obey God, you do have peace. Amen? You do have peace. Got a hundredfold return right in the middle of famine. Why? Because he obeyed God. Whatever God tells you to do, it's right. Sons obey their fathers. Amen? So he had the power to obey God, even under the old covenant. The other power God gives us is in John 20, the ones we want to speak of. John 20 and verse 22. Okay, this is Jesus after he's resurrected. He appears to his disciples in verse 19. The same day at evening. Then the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Amen. Jesus came and stood in the middle of them and said, I'll be, give you all something to be scared of. <laughs> he just walked through the wall. <laughs> be scared of that. And we said, and when he had said so, Jesus stood in the midst and said to them, peace be unto you. When he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, so even send I you. That's power to be sons of God. He said, Just like the Father sent me to do his will, I'm sending you to do the Father's will. So he's empowering them to do the Father's will. You can't do God's will without the power to do it. You don't have power to shrink back. You don't have power to think for 10 years whether or not you really believed a prophecy. You got power to get up and do it now. I always tell people, I said, if if you're ever in doubt about a word of God, do part of it. 
to see if God's in it or not. You know what I'm saying? Do the rest. Just say, I receive it, God. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Talk to God about it. You don't have to thank the prophet. We care less if you receive it. <laughs> Be honest with you. We just, you know, want to get the word off of us. You got me? But if you're smart, you'll try to find God in it while you're hearing it. Hmm? And go and start. Just say, yes, Lord. I'm available, God. Whatever you want me to do, God. I thank you for it, God. Amen? And you, you let God do the rest of it. You don't get up and do it for God. You receive what he says and you let him do the rest of it. And God will do the rest of it. And said, he, he showed him his hands and his side. He said, even though as my father sent me, I'm sending you. When he has said this, he breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. Whoever sins you remit, they are remitted. And unto them, whoever sins you retain, they are retained. So you don't go up to somebody and see them sin and think you have control over that. He's talking about sin against you. If you, con- if you forgive it, it's remitted, it's sent away. If you don't forgive, it's retained in you. You got me? It's not doing that person one thing or the other. But Jesus is trying to tell them, I want you to live sin-free And the main way to do it is through forgiveness. It's not always about watching every little thing you do, except where your heart is concerned. See, God is so interested in our heart condition because out of your heart flow all the issues of life. So you want the right flow to come out of you at all times. You don't want your life to be hindered because you think you're so important you can't forgive somebody that did something to you. Huh? Whether you did something to someone or not, which is really the case, we, we offend people all the time. Sometimes we do it purposely. You can do it unintentionally. There's people walk around here, they're so paranoid. If you walk past them and smile, they think you don't mean it. You got me? And so what God is saying here is don't be flypaper. You know, sons of God allow things to be sent away from them for, through forgiveness and not letting it stick on you. And you have to remember everything somebody does before you can figure out if you want to love somebody or speak to them or bless them. Or, you understand what I'm saying? You have power to live better than that. Amen? You have power to live sin-free, guilt-free, offense-free. And this is a mandatory, it's mandatory that you use this power of forgiveness. Now, you can stay a baby Christian, and really it goes hand in hand with developing as a son of God. The more you can master forgiveness, the more developed, the more empowered you are as a son of God, the more you transition into the image of Christ, the stronger you are as, as a believer in Christ, you know. Uh, you have to realize that there are some things God compels you to do. You you just can't call off when you feel like it. You know what I'm saying? You you got to stay in the in the fight. You got to stay in the hunt. You got to be there continually. Jesus didn't take a day off, if I recall. 
If he was hungry, thirsty, or tired, he took his normal rest. But he got up, he said, man, he said, I got to work the works of him who sent me while it's day. He said, because night is coming very soon, and nobody will be able to work in the nighttime. So he had to be, he had to get to getting and be about doing. It's interesting, God will give you enough blessings in your life and encouragement to keep you going, obeying him, to keep you obedient. He will never bless you so much you quit. So many people have tried to get blessed and then quit serving God, go off on vacation, go off, do something else, go enjoy my blessing. And they come back to poverty again, got to start all over again and rebuild right back up again. Get a hint, maybe I should continue doing this. <laughs> you know, sometimes people, I can remember there were times when I would think, oh, I can't do this another day. Uh-huh. This was before my husband got saved. There was a day once I, it came to me. I said, you know what, God, I can sit here and try to watch and see what that old rascal is doing. <laughs> sleeping with one eye open. What you doing over there? You ain't sleeping right. You're snoring too loud. Trying to wake me up. What you doing? I bind you sleeping. You know, I just gave that up one day. And I decided I was going to start seeing my husband as saved already. God says the unbelieving spouse is sanctified by your salvation. And here I am acting, acting like a heathen all the time. Understand what I'm saying? So I think the more comfortable you get with your own salvation, the more you can believe for other people. Amen. And you can trust God to do the work that he needs to do for them to have relationship with him, not for you to like them better. You got me? Sometimes we're so adamant, you don't even know what a saved husband looks like. Because God is the author of their salvation. I mean, you know, sometimes you can be looking at a brother real funny and they'll utter something, make you back up. Just like the woman get the well, huh? So you learn to go and mind your own business because salvation is of the Lord. He knows what he's doing in somebody's life. And so as sons and daughters of God, we have to really trust God to do the things that we cannot do. Do the things that have to be done in secret and in private. How would you like it if, if, if somebody was praying for your salvation, they constantly watched you? Or try to correct your behavior and all that kind of stuff. And so it's a private thing between them and God. But but keep praying for them until God releases you. Amen. And, and let you know, oh, you know, they've received me now. And then there's always something else to pray for. Pray for them to be sons of God. To, to walk in strength and walk in obedience to God. To have joy in their lives. To have contentment in the right spirit and all that kind of stuff. Uh, between them and, and God so so there are things to pray for but we don't we're not in charge of that you know sons and daughters of God keep their hands off other people amen and respect people respect what God's doing in their lives so amen praise God amen the next empowerment is in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 uh, I thought about doing power for ministry but I'm going to do this power for witnessing in Acts 1 verse 8 
It says here, um, <clears throat> it said, verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has in his own power. So there are some things as sons and daughters of God we are given privy to know and some things we are not. The secret things belong to the Lord. Quit needling God for something you think you're, you're entitled to. You know what I'm saying? You, you really aren't entitled to anything. You, you don't have to have explanations of everything. Sometimes we, we're better off just walking in faith for the things that we need. You know, I know sometimes when people pass away and we've been praying for them, we want to take an attitude. I just want to know. I just want to know. Well, God will explain to you what you can understand. And and really what you're what he wants you to do, he wants to protect your faith for the next person that's sick. So you can deal with them in faith and not so much with your little head knowledge, understanding what you think you understand about people, you know. Just just let God be God, you know. Stay out of his grill and let him do what he's supposed to do. You go do you. Let him do him. And so he says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. He gives you power for witnessing unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the othermost part of the earth. Now, he told them to go and wait. Before you go tell anybody anything, I want you to wait until you're empowered as a witness. Why would they have to? I mean, I could tell people I saw Jesus too. I could tell people I saw him. Huh? Why does he want them to wait? Well, there's power and there's power. Not all talking is power. God wants you to talk under his unction, using his power. Why? Because he's jealous of your power? I don't think so. So that he can confirm what you say with signs following. He can confirm your little bragging on who you know or what you know and you saw Jesus and, they, oh, yeah, I used, to, he, I used to be with his ministry. Huh? Even them who had been with his ministry, he told, don't go do nothing. Till you get the power from on high. He said, and once you get this, then you will be my witnesses everywhere you go. To the uttermost parts of the earth. Even when you're on vacation, little Christian. Huh? Go to the beach and forget about God. Walk past all them little starving people. Oh, we going to Acapulco for the yeah, yeah. You better witness to people in Acapulco too. Don't get so far away from God you don't tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? Get them little people a decent tip when they do stuff, you know. Come on now. That's witnessing. So what does wit what does a witness do? A witness is called upon to testify. A witness gives testimony. God has the most control over our witnessing. Why? Because it's important that it be done right. Hmm? One of the things that has in some ways kind of hurt 
the church in the full gospel aspect is that people will witness without really being empowered. And by that I mean they have to get into this argument of trying to mentally convince people that God, that Jesus is real instead of go straight down the middle with the power to convince them he's real. It's like when you go when you go out on the streets and you pray for people. You can pray for somebody and they'll get an answer right away or they'll get a witness in their heart that God has spoke to them. We're not talking about a mental thing. We're talking about something that gets their spirit man convinced 100% that God is real. Now, God honors what we say. Isn't that the wonderful thing? He will honor what we say even if sometimes the full power is not there. That's how the Baptists get people saved. That's how, but, but God wants people to be not only saved, but they want, he wants them to have their problems alleviated. He wants to eliminate human suffering. If we would just obey and do it the way he does it instead of cutting corners, God uses me anyway. I don't pray in tongues, but he still used me. He didn't use anybody. But we're talking about obeying the scripture and becoming empowered to be sons of God. I bet you have a whole lot more fun as a spirit-filled believer witnessing the people than you ever did when before you prayed in tongues. You're scared of them that don't can't go up to them and offer them much. You know, something to get out of jail free ticket and the sweet by and by. I want God to impact your life now. You got me? And God wants to impact your life now. So that's my little prejudice on, on that thing. But get people filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, allow them to pray in tongues and have that power for witnessing. Witnesses also demonstrate truth. So we demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. To do what? To heal, to set free, to deliver, to destroy the works of the devil. So they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. If you notice in the book of Acts, many times just at the preaching and witnessing of the Old Testament truth of Christ, the Holy Spirit would fall on that assembly, three and five thousand people at a time. Talk about a mega church. And they was all saved and filled with the Spirit. It wasn't a seeker-friendly mega church. It was a church where people really were empowered by God. And this is why the Romans didn't, didn't want them Christians assembling nowhere because they knew uh, that many people turning out in the streets with that kind of power over Caesar's junk, huh? So they had to put a stop to that. And so that's why persecution comes. But we have the power to endure persecution and finish the work. Amen? We can finish the work that God gave us to. In Mark 6, you'll see what the power for ministry is. What does that look like? So we've got power from on high for witnessing. And then there's the power for ministry. Now, what does, what does the power for ministry do? It says in, in Mark 6, verse 7, He called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits, so the power for ministry, number one, destroys the work of the devil, commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, just a staff, no bread, uh, no money, nothing. Just go out by faith. 
and just have a pair of shoes and one coat. And he told them what to do when they got there. And so they were able to do all the works of God to heal people, to cast out devils. Unclean spirits was the the toughie for them because, you see, in a, a later chapter, they got to a point where they had been casting out spirits and couldn't do it anymore. A little boy that would get thrown into the fire, and they failed to be able to help him. And so this is something that's challenging for many believers because we've been subject to the devil's abuse all of our lives. And so you need power from God to be able to stand up against the devil and not in your flesh, but in the spirit. So you've got to have faith that the power to take authority over all the works of darkness resides upon you. Then you must allow that power to teach you how to carry the ministry out. So the power for ministry is not just, whoop, cast something out, but it's a power that instructs you and teaches you and then will walk with you in it and give you the unction to perform the works of God. One of the things that the, the Lord told me, taught me early in ministry was to cast out devils. Why? Because the devil had beat me up for five years with mental illness. And so by that time, and I knew it was the devil, I really hated the devil. And so God will use what you will let him use just to get you in the game. You know what I'm saying? You know, anybody ever play poker or something? What's the ante? Uh, what's, what's the minimum you got to put to get in the game? You just want to get in there so you can win something. You understand know what I'm saying? That's the way God will do us. Whatever whatever turns you on. What you mad about, Barb? I'm mad about the devil taking all of you. I'm going to give you a power over him. Ooh, good. Let's go do it. You know, And that's pretty much how you get started in it. You understand what I'm saying? Something you hate. Let's go do it, God. I remember... When I, when I was before I even got started in ministry, I was uh, um, I, I had a vision. It wasn't an open vision, but in my spirit, I saw a picture of. Come here, Nola. I always pick on Nola because she she won't fight me back. No, but I saw a picture of myself walking with a man, and I had on something similar to this. At that time, I had a favorite something I wore around the house. Anybody knows me, I don't get dressed if I don't have to. You come to the house and see me, you just get scared. I don't care. But uh, I had a caftan that I wore all the time, and I liked wearing when we went, like, to the beach or the sand or something. And we're walking on the sand, and as we're walking, this man is telling me, like, and I go, let's do it. You know, and he kept whispering, and this is what we're going to have to And this, thanks, Noah. And this is how I got convinced that Jesus was with me in power to cast out devils because he was telling me, he said, guess what we're going to do? We're going to do. And you know what? When, when, uh, and it healed me, too, because now that I'm thinking about it, um, my mother's first baby was a boy. And I always wanted an older brother, you know, <laughs> not that that would have made a difference because we were rough. Four rough girls. We didn't need no brother. But uh, you know what I'm saying. But I, it was kind of like something in my heart missed that. If I just had my brother, I could do. And from that day forward, I never thought about missing a brother again. It was like, here's your big brother, and we're going to get even with the devil for all the years he tormented you. 
made you think you would never get well? Huh? And so that that was what encouraged me to obey God and step out and just do what the unction told me. I was not looking to build a ministry on deliverance. You understand me? Or, you know, something like I wasn't looking for that. I was just looking to obey God. I was going to be a daughter of God. And if casting out devils, is that that's what we do, that's what we do. We get rid of all of them. And so that started the ministry the way it did. And at some point, then healing started to show up. You know, now the seed was there all the time. Because if you look at what believers do, in Mark 16, 17, and 18, it says they will speak with new tongues, they will cast out devils, they will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. So they will do the full gospel ministry. So instead of me going out and making some deliverance church cards, I decided to wait on God to add to the ministry everything that I was supposed to have. And I'm thankful for it because it's kind of hard to just work with devils all the time and never heal people. And so, you know, that's just cheating people out of what God has for them. And so that's, that's how ministry develops, folks. You seek for what you see in the word. You don't go running off and thinking you got something because the power is to to thine be the power it is his power it is not our power we're using his power so we see in mark 6 verse 7 there's power for ministry we have power over all the works of the devil over all darkness when god empowers us it comes with instructions man if not directly then by the one who instructs us, if another human being is instructing you, like we're doing here, or if the Holy Ghost is instructing you and you need both of them, God will have you subject to both of them. Amen. There is no authority outside of the structure of the church. Amen. There must be fivefold authority over the works of God. You can't have some outside thing with, I don't go to church, but God used me. Uh, you know what? Get out of, get, get away from me. I don't, I don't like all that witchcraft and stuff. You know, you call it God because you don't know no better. Why aren't you in church? Well, they hurt me. Well, you know, you better, you, you better go forgive and get healed. You know what I'm saying? You know, stay away from something just because it hurts you. You go to the doctor, don't you? You cook. I don't know how many times I've been burnt getting in and out of the oven or pop, have grease pop on me, but I still cook. I stay away from stuff because it hurt me. Grow up. Who think you're talking to? <laughs> Who do you think you're playing with? The power does come upon us and it lifts off of us. You're not anointed, anointed all the time. Power does, amen. Power comes from ministry. In Judges 13, 24, I, I'm not going to turn to it, but it's a story of Samson. And it talks about how the power of God would visit him sometimes. Judges, I'm going to read it. Judges 13, 24. And see, Samson is a good example of somebody who could be anointed, and when it was off, it was far off. Right? <laughs> was way off but he was anointed of god and it shows you the power is of god it's not of him or you try to wear it all the time and it says here in uh 13 
Oh, I'm in Joshua. Judges, please. Oh, it's the next one over. Joshua, Judges, Ruth. And we say 13, 24. I can't believe it's taken me this long to find this one. 13, 24. Yes, I can. It's talking about his birth. The woman bare a son in 24 and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. That's how it comes. It begins to move you at times. This is how the Holy Spirit teaches you who he is. At times he will come upon you, and if you're smart, you'll ask him, what are you doing, and what does that mean? I like that, or I don't like that, or I'm scared, or I'm confused. You talk to him and get understanding. Huh? Many people, just because the presence of God shows up, they assume they know what it's doing. Amen? But that's not always true. You know, sometimes I've had the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I should tell on myself all the time. I was <laughs> angry. Ooh, who knew? But I would have, the Holy Spirit would come on me real strong sometimes if I was angry and I was about to lose control of my temper you got me now that doesn't mean he approves of me or i'm healing somebody and trying to cuss them out you understand but that's a restraint and it was like you keep going this way kizzy you can be laying on the floor somewhere you got me so you got to know these things folks not if you've never experienced it, praise God, but sometimes you need to find out what God's doing. And I'm smart enough to know if I'm angry and about to, who knows what I would do? I don't know. Go spend some more money. You understand what I'm saying? That's the most damage I do to people. You know what I'm saying? But, but I'm, I'm just telling you to tell you that the Holy Spirit will teach you what he's doing and you're, he's not just there and you assume you know what's going on. You have, to, you have to work with him. And he teaches us what the power is all about. So you have to get a, and get that from God yourself. Don't go ask 15 different people what they think that meant. Now, if that person's a mentor for you and you can get good answers from them, that's one thing. But don't just go asking every Tom, Dick, and Harry what they, and don't assume you know what that means and quit putting like under them facebook prophecies them people ain't talking about nothing you don't even know if they got a roof over they might be living in a car and sitting in mcdonald's parking lot to get their internet you don't know i need 15 people to shout hallelujah well skip me because i'm doing something else right now i'm deleting your little cell phone thing so the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is the power for witnessing. It, you speak supernaturally. It's not something you memorize and say over and over again. It is promised, that's in Acts chapter 2, and it's promised to us. It is the fulfillment of a promise of God from the Old Testament. The book of Joel spoke about that. 
that out of your innermost being would flow rivers of living water. Now, why is that important? Why is it important to pray in tongues? Well, number one, it leads, it is a gift of the Holy Ghost that is the precursor or the birth or the genesis of all the other gifts of the Spirit. Hmm? The only exception would be sometimes a gift of healing. You'll find healing will rest on people sometimes. They might have faith for healing, getting people healed out of the word or something like that. Now, Brother Hagen was a Baptist for years, and he got, he got healed by reading Mark eleven twenty three and putting his faith in that, and all his sickness left. Well, he ran off as a Baptist, started preaching, and didn't know anything about praying in tongues. But when he found out, he received that gift and found things so much easier, more power, all that he walked in his ministry then. Amen. So the baptism in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking supernaturally an unknown language, it has been promised, Peter said, this is that, in Acts 2.14, he said, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing as but the third day of the hour. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. So prophecy comes out. Tongues is prophecy. It's just you're speaking by unction of the Holy Spirit. It's just not interpreted. Amen. But it's in, in, in people began to interpret here in their own language, and they were magnifying God. Tongues always magnifies God. It will magnify the God in you. So it builds you up, edifies your spirit, builds you up in your most holy faith. You can go out and believe God for extraordinary things just by praying in the Holy Ghost. And it keeps you in the love of God. It will shock you how much devil it will drive out of you. And help you to walk in love. You forgive people easier. Huh? People, you know, the fundamentalist Christians, those are the, you know, your mainline non-spirit-filled people. Everybody but, I guess, the Pentecostal holy roller types. People always referred to them as the fighting fundies, the fighting fundamentalists. Because they argue so much. Because that's all they got. You got me? But... The Holy Spirit in a, in a born-again, spirit-filled believer, you can edify your spirit to the place where you can come out with a word of knowledge. You can come out with a word of wisdom. You don't have to argue with people about whether or not Jesus is real. You know, you will have something specific for them to convince them of the reality of God. The early church did extraordinary things by praying in the Holy Ghost. Huh? It's evident that praying in the Holy Ghost actually translates you to a degree from earth to heaven. Now, let me tell you how I know that. Remember when Peter was in jail? Remember they prayed for him and prayed earnestly for him? God, please get Peter out of jail. Somebody knocks at the gate and they go out there. Oh, that's Peter. That ain't Peter. That's a ghost. See, she was in heaven praying for him, but now she's back on earth again, and she don't even believe that's him. You got me? They say, ask in faith, receive in shock. 
because you are translated up in your language, your heavenly language translates you up to heaven. And in your answers here on earth, when you see the answers, you like shocked out your mind. Amen. Amen. And so, amen. So your spirit actually is translated and people have experienced that. You saw Philip with the eunuch and he was over in, in Egypt ministering to that guy and he woke up and he was right back in jerusalem again or something like that and so your spirit can be translated to the extent that it's so real to you your body will actually take on a bodily form in another place where god wants you and bring you right back to where you're supposed to be so you know pray for that to happen folks you can get that saves you a plane ticket in a tight seat where your knees get cramped up you know the drill so anyway, but we are promised prophecy, dreams, visions. Revelation opens up to you by praying in the Holy Spirit. You must get revelation from God by praying in tongues. It builds up your most holy faith. And you pray mysteries that are edifying for your spirit, for spiritual edification. Amen. New Testament believers must be transformed as well as empowered. Spirit of God cannot rest on you. There's no more Samsons around where you can go sleep with a harlot and get up and take the the gate off the city and carry it on your back. You understand what I'm saying? That stuff runs out real quick. And so it's not like that anymore. The The power belongs to him. It is not your power. The power of God is placed upon your life to do the works that are foreordained for you. These are foreordained works. You must do the works God has ordained for you to do. And this is something that bugs people sometimes because we'll get started in ministry and want to go here, there, and everywhere because we're gift happy uh, or gift deranged. I'll put it in <laughs> gift derangement syndrome. Uh, we think the world's been waiting for us to get loose so we can go out and cast out all the devils or get all the people healed or whatever, whatever. I I advise against that because I know that God has foreordained works. You have to make sure you're where he wants you to be, the right place at the right time, foreordained. Now, let me tell you how I understand foreordination. Remember the guy at the gate, beautiful? Huh? It was... It was a, a part of the temple. Now, how many times did Jesus go in that temple during the time? He went in there every, all the time, every Sabbath at least, and sometimes on Tuesday. <laughs> you got me? Jesus probably walked up by that man many days because they said he was by, from birth, he was lame. He never walked. And daily they put him out there. So that means daily, while Jesus was alive, he walked past that dude. Why is it that now Peter and, and uh, who was with Peter? John. Thank you. Peter and John walked past him, and they healed this man. Why couldn't Jesus heal him? Because his name wasn't on that miracle. <gasps> you mean Jesus couldn't, huh? If your name, I mean, he's a son of God just like we're sons and daughters. If your name ain't on that miracle, you don't get to do it. Huh? I don't care how anointed you think you are. I don't care how powerful you think you are, how the world's waiting on you. One of the mistakes, let me tell you a mistake, and I'm going to quit here. A mistake people make sometimes when you get spirit-filled 
You ever been spirit-filled and you slipped out of the Baptist church and somebody laid hands on you, you prayed in tongues? Now you have all this power that nobody else has. You're the powerful one in the building. Huh? Power has just walked in the building. Power's leaving the building. And so we think we're there to show everybody else. Huh? And then people run you. <laughs> They're so quick. Get the left foot of fellowship. Why? Because God never usurps authority. Amen. Over the authority in the house. If God empowers you, then you need to hit the, hit the road and keep a moving. Amen. Because nine times out of ten, it's not for the, the shepherd to listen to the sheep that run out somewhere and think they get something. Amen. And you'll find out not everybody's excited about your gift you just got. Amen. Amen. And so we make the mistake sometimes of thinking that power belongs to us. You better find out, God, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. Where do I go now? Because you ain't staying there. I'll tell you right now. You'll be so uncomfortable. People say, well, where you been? I've been nowhere. Yes, you have something different. You got the Spirit. Them, your old Baptist buddies, you didn't even think they knowed anything about the Holy Ghost. Huh? We'd have them. We'd, we'd get on the bus when we had our Benny Hinn trips, and they'd tell you, I can tell you got the Spirit. They don't want it themselves, but they want, just want to know you got it. Amen. Tell you, you got it. Amen. And so we have to be careful, folks, that we honor the power of God. Your works are foreordained from the foundation of the earth. God knows exactly what he expects you to do. Every prayer you're supposed to pray, every person you're supposed to minister to, every soul you're to win, every sick person you're to lay hands on, he knows all of that's foreordained already. Amen? And respect the power because it will rest on your life if you don't try to abuse it. But if you try to think it's yours and you want to go here, there, and everywhere doing this, that, and the other, it will not work for you. And thank God he closes doors on you so he doesn't have to take the anointing back off of you again. So let's get sober here, folks. There's lots of work out there to do. Trust me. God wants us to do it. If your church says, let's go out, witness, you're right out there with them. If you're praying and say, God, show me somebody who needs you today, and somebody walks up to that's you. But hopping up in somebody's pulpit and want to, you know, show them what you got, you better stay away from that kind of stuff. There's more confusion. Amen. More confusion is released on the body of Christ through that usurping thing. Amen. You get some funny looks and negative comments, you stop. You got me. You pray. You say, God, is this really what you want me to do? That's what got us kicked out of the church we were in. They patronized us until they couldn't hide their hatred any longer. And then they kicked us out. If you're out already, stay out. And pray and find out where God wants you to be. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, that the power for thine is the power. Thine is the power. The power is all yours. And, Lord, you know why you've empowered us.
You know what you want us to do. And, Father, we want to honor you in the proper way. And some of you are just sometimes you're ignorant of things. You don't understand. God's teaching you. Let him teach you the proper way to move in his power. Forget about people and what they think about you and and all of that. Humble yourself to God. Let yourself be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let it continue to be renewed. Let God begin to show you the new you, who you really are, what he's ordained for you to do. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And, Father, we curse the seed of flattery, of men's words and flattery toward us in the name of Jesus. We just want to be your servants, Lord. We're not doing anything extraordinary. We're doing the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I thank you for that, Lord. We bless you and we praise you and we magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Anybody need prayer, come up and we'll pray.